You are listening to the Live Diet Free Podcast. I'm your host, Esther Avant, personal trainer, sports nutritionist, and weight loss coach. I'm here to help you lose weight for the last time without sacrificing your quality of life to do it. So pop your headphones in, go for a walk, and learn how to become the healthiest, happiest, and most confident version of yourself. Hello, welcome back to the Live Diet Free Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about food noise, which I feel like has been a really hot topic recently and for good reason that I'll get into. But I just wanted to note that it's been a while since I've recorded an episode on my own. I got ahead on episodes before the holidays because we were going to be traveling and I wanted to make sure that I had episodes ready to go out every week. And now this is my first time sitting down and podcasting in our new house. We moved in right after Christmas and, you know, getting settled takes a long time, but we're getting there. I've been on my walking pad all day, which if you follow me on social media, you know, I've just been raving about pretty much all the time. It is so, so easy to get more movement in when you have one of these guys. It does not replace like going outside and getting fresh air. I know this, but so many people that I talk to, myself included, have a hard time juggling all the things, right? We're supposed to like walk as much as possible. And also we have full-time jobs and we have families and it can just feel like there's not enough time to do it all. And I feel like a walking pad just solves at least one of those issues that if you are able, even for part of your day, even for 30, 60 minutes of your day or, you know, whatever chunks make sense for you, you can just make it easy. You can multitask. You can check emails. You can be in on trainings. You'd be surprised. Like you get headphones and you can walk slowly enough that you, your coworkers or whomever you're talking to, like, won't hear your footfalls and stuff like that. And I'm going on an, a total aside, probably because I haven't spoken to another human being the entire day. Um, but last thing I'll say about this, and then I'll get into food noise, I promise. I think it's safe to assume that most of the people we know and most of the people we work with feel similarly to us in that there's not enough hours in the day and we would like to not be tethered to our desks and just sitting constantly. So I feel like, you know, I know it might be difficult in whatever your company culture is to to be the first person who says, like, I want a walking pad or I'm going to be at this meeting, but like, you're going to see my head kind of bobbing up and down. <laughs> it sounds very... Uh, porny, but I'm going to see my head bobbing up and down. It's because I'm getting my steps in. And to just like normalize that as part of company culture of like, of course, your company wants healthy employees. It saves them a ton of money on health insurance, and, like all of that stuff. And also, you know, hopefully they care about you as human beings. But anyway, I'm getting really sidetracked. Point here is get a walking pad. If you work from home, get one. You will love it. They're a couple hundred bucks on Amazon. So, so worth it. All right. So, If you uh, work for a walking pad company, let me know. Sponsor me. (laughs) Okay, so food noise. What is it? It's something that I feel like some people know right away what it is because we have it. And other people, it sounds like kind of this foreign concept. Those are likely the people who don't really have it or don't have it in to enough of a degree that it's ever really sort of been on their radar. The way I look at food noise is just the amount of time you spend thinking about food. And it's really kind of all over, I don't know, social media, the news with the rise in GLP-1 drugs and how many people are taking those for weight loss purposes and reporting that one of the main things it seems to be helping with is reducing food noise. Now, it seems like 
the way it does that is by essentially removing most of your appetite. So this is not going to be an episode about drugs. I, I probably should do an episode about that at some point. Um, but my my point is, I don't necessarily know that the best solution for food noise is to just not have an appetite. For me, and I think for most of us, food is way more than just fuel, right? We're not robots that just need to, you know, get plugged in and, and fueled up or, you know, take a pill and then, you know, don't need food. Most of us like eating. Most of us want to enjoy eating. And having no interest in food, I don't know that I, I would want. Um, and again, this is not a judgment on, on whether or not you take these, these meds. Just sort of a kind of a, a, a speculation um, that I don't know that it's necessarily solving the food noise so much as it's just eliminating it, which may be a solution, but may also leave you with now a different issue, which is like, well, now I'm not getting any pleasure from food at all, which I don't love either. So anyhow, this has come up on a couple of recent Q&As in my Live Diet Free Facebook group. And someone asked, you know, does everybody have food noise? And I think it's like a lot of things in the health realm in that there's sort of a spectrum and everybody falls on the same spectrum you know, to, to a different degree, right? There are some people who just like, if, if I'm not eating, I'm not thinking about food. And then at some point I eat again. And that's when I think about it. And it's just like very low on the food noise scale. And then you have people who just feel like it is constant. There's always this like shouting in my brain about what am I going to eat? What am I going to eat again? I shouldn't eat this. Yes, I should eat that. And it's just like constant and, and overwhelming. And most of us are sort of somewhere in between, right? There are times when our food noise is louder than others, um, but it's it's not necessarily like this constant thing that like overshadows everything else in our lives. So I think then the question becomes, how do we, you know, where, does, where does food noise come from in the first place? And like, why are some of us higher on the spectrum than others? And what can we do to reduce it, right? That's what we all want to know. It's like, how do I just think about food less? So I think one of the main contributors to it is our upbringing and our dieting history. I think a lot of the people who don't have food noise, and, and I don't have any like research on this, but I'm just thinking about you know the, the people I know and the people I've talked to, I feel like probably more women are higher on the food noise spectrum than are men. And I think that ties in with our dieting history, where if from an early age, boys and, and men aren't receiving the message that they should, you know, be thin, look a certain way, et cetera, to the extent that women are. It makes sense that then they just, you know, think about food less. Whereas if from when, you know, you were 12 years old or, or younger, everybody around you had something to say about what you were eating or not eating, or maybe just sort of their own issues of your, your mother saying, I shouldn't eat this or I'm so bad because I am just like that stuff that you are exposed to when you're younger the more just like food talk you're exposed to I think the the stronger the likelihood that your food noise is louder as an adult right because it's just like always been a thing it's always been a topic of conversation it's always been something that you're needing to expend energy trying to figure out how to do right instead of just like oh I'm hungry I should eat now I'm not hungry I should stop I think that goes hand in hand, too, with our exposure to, you know, food and diet related conversations on social media. 
and it's not lost on me that this podcast is, is contributing to that. But I think, you know, if, if your feeds, I was just talking to a client about how she had been more intentional about her feed um, and what a difference it made in how she was approaching her health and her weight loss goals. I think if you're in an effort to educate yourself and stay motivated and committed and things like that, if your feeds are full of, you know, nutrition exercise related content, odds are you're getting a lot of conflicting information, right? You might see one post that's talking about keto and then the next one is talking about intermittent fasting. So it's like you have so many inputs coming in that are causing you to think about these things that that's contributing to the noise as well. So then you're just sort of left with this like looping soundtrack of thinking about what you should or shouldn't eat or how much of it or what it means if you do or what if you already did. And that can feel absolutely exhausting. I think there's another piece of food noise, though, that maybe doesn't get as much um, airtime, I guess. And that's just food, food noise as it relates to not being well prepared for your day or for your week. I see a lot of posts in Facebook groups from moms saying, like, I am exhausted trying to figure out another dinner for this ungrateful family. Like, why do I have to do this every night? Like, what are you guys having? Give me something simple that my kids will eat. And I think part of the noise is like, we do we do need to eat every day. And that's what makes food-related things so much more difficult than other habits or, like, vices or behaviors where – you know, you can just stop smoking cigarettes and then they're no longer, you know, a thing. Obviously, I know it's not that easy, but like you can stop drinking alcohol. You can stop doing drugs. You can stop gambling. None of those are required for survival. So breaking those habits as hard as it may be, you don't need to continually be around those things once you have, whereas you can't just quit food. Um, you you do need to continue eating for the rest of your life, as do the people who whose survival depends on you. So you can't just not think about food at all. And I think a lack of preparedness for what we're going to eat each day is contributing to how much time we spend thinking about food. So I want to dive a little bit into kind of each of these contributors and try to give you some actionable advice for how to start reducing the amount of time you spend thinking about food every day. So I'm going to start with the like practical day-to-day lack of preparedness because obviously that one's a little bit more straightforward. Um, and I would say, again, I think it's for most people, I think it's a combination. Um, but you know, might as well get the low-hanging fruit first. So if you're able to reduce your food noise just by planning better, then A, it's going to feel better. B, it's going to give you more bandwidth to address the the more deeply rooted food noise. Um, I don't know if I had a C there, but <laughs> there's there's two reasons. All right, so say you fall into the category of just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and you're just like, I will figure out dinner before it's dinner. And I don't know what I'm gonna do for breakfast today, but you know, maybe I'll grab something on the way out of the house if I'm lucky. Not bringing a lunch to work, but like I'll figure that out. Maybe I'll just work through lunch or like maybe I'll just run downstairs. Like everything is just sort of like on a whim, hope for the best. As we all know, things rarely go well when we're just weighing it and 
crossing our fingers. So one of the things that will help you think about food less is to be better prepared for your days and for your weeks. And something I want to note is that I do think there's sort of a a little bit of a hurdle to, to get over where like the goal is to think about food less, but you may actually need to think about food or you may end up thinking about food more in the short term, but that's in an effort to get yourself to a place long term where you're not all the time. And I've I feel like I see that trip a lot of people up where you're sort of in the throes of like unlearning and relearning and developing these habits and you know that the goal is to think about it less, but right now you think you're thinking about it even more and you're like, this is not working, right? So I just see a lot of like giving up before you reach like the the, the pay dirt. Is that the phrase? Um, so I just want to like put that out there that it's just like, you know, we, we talk about food tracking as as a tool and how useful that can be. That can make you think about food pretty constantly, right? Because you're always thinking like, oh, I have to log that. Did I measure it? That sort of thing. And that can feel like a lot. And I know that there's a lot of people who get to sort of that phase of it, the very early phase of it, and are just thinking like, this feels obsessive. I'm thinking about it all the time. And of course, you don't want to feel that way for forever. But that's part of what like immersing yourself in a learning experience is is like. You know, if you got dropped off in a foreign country in an effort to learn that language, at first, you're just going to be like, all I hear around me is gibberish. I don't understand any of this. I'm just like constantly feeling frazzled and isolated and all the things. But then once you sort of settled in and once you started looking through the lens of like, all right, this is actually on purpose. This is to help me learn this thing. Before you know it, you know, two, three, four weeks in, you're going to be speaking the language and you're going to be understanding things. You're going to be feeling like you have your footing. So the same goes with this, whether it's tracking or planning and preparing or some of the kind of more, more mental work that we're going to talk about in a minute. There may be a phase early on where you feel like your food noise has been ramped up a bit and that doesn't feel good. But remind yourself that the point is to get yourself to a point where the volume is turned down. Um, and if you have to sort of go through that storm and learn those things in order to get there, so be it. All right, so where do we begin with planning? I've talked in a lot of episodes about the tool of sitting down and doing life admin, weekly, nightly. What that is, is really just setting like a recurring date with yourself for whenever makes sense for you to prepare for the week. So for most of us on like a Saturday or Sunday, right? Because then we have time to actually like do the things and go into Monday feeling prepared. So keeping it really simple and just sitting down and looking at, you know, obviously you don't need to like write these things down for the most part, but you know, how many people am I responsible for feeding? If it's the summer and your kids are gone at a summer camp, you're going to buy, be buying a lot fewer groceries than if it's the holidays and you have people visiting, right? But it's like getting a getting an overview of how many mouths am I feeding? How many meals do I need to feed them? And what else do we have going on this week? So does everybody need breakfast every day? Do I have a, a client meeting at lunch that's going to be catered or at a restaurant? That's one fewer lunch than I need. Do we have sports stuff happening in the evenings where we are either going to grab something fast out or I need to be prepared with you know, sandwiches to come with us or throw something in the crock pot for when we get back. But like thinking through what is actually going on in my life this week. And I know that I still need to eat despite all of those things. 
And then figuring out what are the, the simple and the small things that I can do to make my life run more smoothly while all of this stuff is happening. And generally speaking, that means doing some sort of prep work. Breakfast is an easy one. If you're in the habit of just running out the door without eating anything, even just adding like a pre-made protein shake is a step in the right direction. Or maybe you go you know, a step further and you do a big batch of protein pancakes or egg bites or you know, breakfast sandwiches or overnight oats or so many things that you can do. But that way, in the morning, you're not saying like, oh, shoot, let me just like snag a banana on the way out and like probably sit on it instead of eat it in the car, right? Um, you can just grab something really fast. It's not disrupting your schedule. And you know you're starting off the day with a, with a solid meal. So then you're not having to spend any energy thinking, what am I going to eat for breakfast? And because you're feeling more satiated, you're not ravenous in your you know, 9 a.m. meeting, you're probably then thinking less about lunch too, right? If you're hungry in the morning, you're thinking about when am I going to eat and what am I going to eat and when's it going to be and I'm so hungry. If you're not hungry, you probably have some time where you can just get work done and think about other things. Same thing goes for lunch. At some point, you're going to start getting hungry or you're going to know your window of opportunity for lunch is approaching. And if you don't have anything planned, then you're starting to think like, oh, I'm getting those messages from coworkers. They're going to go here. Or maybe you work from home and you're just like, shoot, I have back-to-back meetings. I don't know. Maybe I can snag a handful of goldfish you know, when I go for my bathroom break. If you have something prepared, even if you work from home, you can, you can still do it like, you're, like you got somewhere to go. If you have something prepared for lunch, again, it doesn't take any thought of what do we have time for, you know, what do we have in the house, what can I make, etc. It's already decided for you. It's like going to a conference or, or a catered event where it's like, I'm just showing up and, and making what's and, and eating what's given to me. It's just that I am the one who decided what those things would be. So I know that I like them and they work for my goals. If you're enjoying this episode, I want to invite you to join us in our coaching program, Gone for Good. Gone for Good is our signature 12-week coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your weight loss and health goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after. Whether you want to lose 5 pounds, 50 pounds, or 150 pounds, we can help you in Gone for Good. For all the info and to join, go to estheravant.com slash coaching. Lastly, dinners. Instead of stressing from 2 p.m. onward about what you're going to eat and do you have to go to the grocery store to make sure that you have enough stuff and who needs to be picked up where? Um, or, you know what, I'm tired. Maybe let's just go get takeout or I want a margarita after this long day. We'll just, you know, pick up the kids and go get Mexican. Instead of spending all of that energy thinking about that, you have a plan for this is what I bought over the weekend because these are the meals that I plan on making. This is the one that's going to be ready the quickest. So this is what we're going to make on the night we're shortest in time. And you no longer have to expend all of that energy trying to solve for these things that can easily be done in advance. I want to remind you that you don't need to jump right into doing all of these things right off the bat. Just start with the meal that is tripping you up the most. Where in the week do you typically struggle? And what can you do in advance so that you start struggling less with that thing. And little by little, as you get into a routine, 
then you can start tackling the other meals. It's going to be way more successful than trying to dial in every single meal at once because there's always going to be an element of the unknown and the unexpected and things rarely go 100% according to plan. And I feel like if you try to, to do too much at once, you just, I don't know, get really like thrown off by those unexpected things. And it's very easy to go into that all or nothing mentality of like, see, this is why I never plan because it never matters anyway. Whereas if you're like, well, I got breakfast made for the week, that feels a lot more doable. And, you know, if you get thrown a monkey wrench on Wednesday for dinner, it's, you're, you're still, you're still benefiting from the work you put in on breakfast. So Sorry, I gesture enthusiastically when I'm recording and I just knocked my um, microphone into my lap. Um, Anyway, point being, you don't need to get here overnight, but you can get to a point where making these decisions and being prepared for the week feels a lot more natural. You not that there's anything wrong with it, and you certainly can, but you probably won't always need to like sit down and say, Monday dinner, we're going to have turkey burgers and green beans, you'll probably get to a point where you have like your go-to meals in rotation. You know, you know, we do chicken a couple nights, we do fish one night, you know, we do pizza one night, that sort of thing. And it just comes together more easily. You can get to that point. And this is what I'm talking about with, you know, sometimes the food noise getting a little bit louder as you're learning these things so that down the road, it's quieter and for, for longer. So just to give you a couple of personal examples from my life, I've been eating the same breakfast for like five years, not because I'm scared to eat something else or anything like that, but because I really enjoy it. And it's had different iterations over over the years, but it's it's been a combination of a whole egg and egg whites with a ton of veggies, some form of potato, and I top it with avocado and sriracha. I've been having it as a frittata for like three years. I really, really like it. Um, But I don't give any thought to breakfast. I know I like it. This is what I'm going to have. I have the things. I make sure that I have the things to, to make them done. For dinners, I have... A couple things are, are helpful for me. I have a binder where anytime we I make a new recipe, I print it, and if it's a hit, I put it in the binder, and I'll make some notes on you know we would have liked it spicier, or I didn't have you know banana, so I didn't do this. Um, but it's basically our own personal recipe book. So when I inevitably at some point feel like I'm in a dinner rut where I'm like I just can't think of anything besides like chicken fajitas and you know fried rice, I can pull that up and I know everything in there is already tested and vetted and approved. Um, So that helps a ton. Um, The other thing is that I, instead of trying to find like all in one, like miracle dishes that work for everybody, I do a lot of separate ingredient type things where people can sort of mix and match in ways that work for them. So chicken fajitas is what what I'm making tonight. Um, But that's a perfect example. So I'll do whatever protein it is. It's not always chicken, sometimes it's steak or shrimp or whatever. But everybody can have that in whatever quantities they want. I'll do regular rice because Mattis really likes that. And Gray needs a, a lot of um, calories because he's much bigger and, and very active. Um, I prefer cauliflower rice because I want the volume in and regular rice just like it doesn't do it for me. Um, then I'll do some fajita veggies. Trader Joe's has frozen already, you know, roasted peppers and onions that are easy. And then I'll have, you know, salad greens, avocado, cilantro, salsa, 
cheese wraps that sort of thing and everybody just can sort of make what they want mattis will do a a rice and cheese burrito maybe sometimes they'll throw some protein in greg can do you know multiple wraps or you know high on the high on the protein high on the carbs i like to do a ton of veggies like i said for the volume um so we're able to just sort of mix and match so that's something that helps us a ton and then just sort of knowing Built, ba- basing our meal off of the protein and knowing like, all right, if we have ground turkey, I'm pretty much going to use it in like a shepherd's pie as, you know, spaghetti and meat sauce or in a turkey nugget type situation. If we're doing salmon, I usually broil it. Like I just sort of know the ways that I like to make certain proteins. And then over, you know, the hundreds of meals that I've made, I have like the carbs that make sense, right? If I'm going to do ground meat sauce, I'm probably going to want to do some sort of pasta. Um, If we're going to do burgers, I'm going to do some sort of, you know, potato French fry type thing. And I just sort of have veggies that feel like they make sense. There's no like rhyme or reason to it. But when we do salmon, I always do a, a broccoli, cauliflower, mushroom medley not for any reason except like that's what I've done and it makes it easy now because I'm essentially I've created like um, a very easy mental template for myself of where's our protein where's our starch where are our veggies and I'm able to just sort of mix and match like that this is what you can get to the the point of doing as well the reason I'm sharing this with you is not so that you're like well look at Esther she's got it all figured out because I certainly don't <laughs> but to to give you a real life example of what it can look like to not have a lot of like day-to-day lack of preparation related food noise where you just have your go-to meals and you know you have the ingredients for those things on hand so it's not taking a lot of mental energy to make sure that you and your family are fed for the week. All right, so like I said, that is the aspect of food noise that I would start with. If you feel like you're thinking about food all the time, making sure that you are prepared and have a plan is going to reduce that right away. Then you can see, all right, how much did that alleviate? Am I feeling pretty good about, you know, how much food is on my mind now that that piece is squared away? Or even though that's taken care of, am I still constantly thinking about it? And then you can start addressing what's, you know, sort of more the the deeply rooted or like the the mindset related food noise that comes from your exposure to diet culture and and trying to lose weight and, um, you know, black and white thinking about food and and sort of all of that like jumbled mess. So now that we've covered like the the practical and the the strategic, we're going to get into a little bit of like the intangible kind of woo-woo, but I want you to stay with me because this is what's really going to help you make a dent in your food noise and move yourself lower onto the spectrum and and turn down the the, the volume on that to the point that you feel like you can exist and think and get things done without constantly trying to beat back feelings about food. So I think the most important thing to start with at this point is getting really clear on what actual thoughts you're having about food all the time. It's easy to feel overwhelmed or, you know, frustrated by like the jumbled mess that can be in our brains. We're just like, I don't know. I'm just like, I just think about food. It's just like always, there's like always something related to food going on in my head. And it's very hard to figure out what's going on when all you have is just like general food stuff, right? So the first thing we need to do is start 
kind of pulling at the strands of that and not letting yourself off the hook with, I don't know, just food stuff. It's good. I like it. I want to eat it. That sort of thing. But really getting into the nitty gritty of like, what specifically am I thinking about food right now? What this is going to help you do is pull out what are the practical solutions for these things and what are the ones that are going to require some inner work. So for example, if you're sitting at your office and you just like can't stop thinking about chocolate, it's easy to go down the road of I'm just addicted to chocolate. I think about it all the time. I can't, you know, control myself around it. But if you actually paused, which again is something I talk about all the time, like one of the main things that, uh, that we all benefit from doing is building in a pause to think rather than just react. So what you might find if you pause is that the reason you're thinking about food is because you can see, you know, if it's chocolate in this situation, you can see your coworker's, you know, Hershey Kiss jar on her desk from your desk. So the reason you're thinking about it is because it's just constantly in front of you. You see it, and next thing you know, you're thinking about it. And because you're seeing it all day, you're thinking about it all day. And that is contributing to you then getting home and feeling like, well, I just used my willpower all day to not eat those Hershey Kisses. So now when I get home and I see leftover Halloween candy or you know Valentine's Day candy, now I feel like I can't control myself, right? It's not that you can't control yourself. It's that you have been exposed to it for hours previously, you're probably facing decision fatigue and you're just generally you know, tired and run down from the day. You're probably hungry because you didn't eat a very good lunch and you're stressed and all those things. So that's what's really going on. So once you realize that, then it's like, all right, well, what are my, what are my options here? Could I just ask that coworker to put it in her drawer? Could I ask her to move it to the other side of, her, of the plant on her desk so that now it's blocked? Could I you know, reposition my desk or my chair so that I'm no longer seeing it all the time? Like, what are the ways that I can have that, have food less in my, in my face all the time so that then I'm thinking about it less? So depending on the actual thoughts that comprise your food noise, that's what's going to determine what you do about it. Odds are a good chunk of it is things like you know, that chocolate looks really good. I shouldn't have it, though. I'm trying to lose weight. If I have it, I'm going to eat way too much of it. A, a, a lot of it is going to be just, like, related to you and your behaviors and, and things like that. When that's the case, just like I've talked about in previous episodes about, you know, changing your thoughts and rewriting your soundtrack, you can absolutely change that narrative. You can, with time and patience and repetition gently, you know, correct yourself. Every time your brain offers you you're addicted to sugar, you say, I've overeaten sugar in the past and it's something that I'm working on doing less. Or I'm able to control myself around any food. Whatever, you know, go back and listen to the the words to eat by um, episode. But a lot of this is stemming from how you feel about yourself and your relationship with food as determined by your past rather than what you want in your future. A lot of food noise can stem from deprivation or from 
kind of the push-pull of not wanting to be deprived, but also knowing like I do need to rein in, you know, my portions and, and my indulgences if I am trying to lose weight and just sort of like that, that inner kind of conflict. If you think about it, you probably don't think a ton about having shelter, right? Because you know you have a, a safe home to go to. But imagine how much more you would think about shelter if you didn't, right? If your housing was uncertain or you know, dangerous or any of those things, you would be thinking about it a lot more often out of necessity. And I feel like food noise can be similar to that sometimes in that we think about it because we're concerned about not having enough of it. And then that's made even more difficult by the fact that we actually have unlimited amounts of it. It's that we're trying to like kind of self-restrict and figuring out like what is the balance for me where I'm not feeling deprived by my diet but I am making changes that allow me to be in a consistent deficit. And I think that's where a lot of food noise stems from. Like I said, it's kind of that push-pull of I shouldn't have that because I'm trying to lose weight. Yeah, but any food can fit into my diet as long as I'm in deficit. Yeah, but you always overeat this food. So if you're trying to lose weight, you shouldn't have it because you're going to eat way too much of it. And then you're not going to lose weight. And then you're going to stay fat forever. And then you're going to be miserable. Yeah, but that's what I've done in the past is try to be really restrictive. And then I overdo it. So this time I should probably be more moderate with it. Yeah, but that's just opening a whole can't, you know, and like your brain is just going back and forth all the time. That's what I mean when I'm talking about like this, this inner struggle and how much of food noise is related to your mindset and your relationship with food. If you've never tried to lose weight or you've never struggled with overeating or emotional eating or binge eating or whatever you want to call it, you probably don't have that inner dialogue because it's just not, it's, it's not a thing, right? So I think a lot of this stems from that, which means that the solution exists, but it's just not an easy, and I guess this, is, this could potentially be where, you know, kind of the meds come in. Is like, if you don't want to do this unpacking of it, it is sort of like the, the more expeditious way. It's like, I just want to shut this whole thing down. Like, just, just pull the plug so that there's no longer any noise coming out of these microphones. Um, that could potentially be how your body responds to a, a medication, is it might just silence the whole thing, and that may feel preferable to you than trying to work through this. And I'm not the person to tell you if that is or isn't the best decision for you. That's between you and, and your doctor. Um, so it is absolutely an, an avenue if you're just thinking like, yeah, I've tried to do this mental work before, or I've been in therapy for years, um, and I, I need something else. That could potentially be a a solution or at least one of the tools that you use in pursuit of this. Um, like I said, I think the sort of concern there would be like, and if you, if you plan on staying on it for forever, um, not necessarily an issue, but number one, if you did choose to come off the medication, that noise would likely come back because you haven't, you know, addressed the, the root issue. And then two is if it's also, if it's removed the chatter and it's also removed like any enjoyment you get out of food, like that wouldn't be great either. Um, but that's not to say any of this is like an either or, or, like you have to pick one. For most of us, we use multiple different tools. We develop a lot of different skills and we combine them in, in the combinations that make sense for us. Um, so it's not to say you either do this or that. You're probably doing some some of them to different degrees. 
So what I would recommend if you know that a lot of your food noise is stemming from your relationship with food and your dieting history and, and black and white thinking, number one, the, the sort of brain dump of what are the actual thoughts that I'm having about food. And then seeing if you can pick up on, on almost like a theme or like a, an underlying sort of category. Do a lot of my thoughts stem from feeling deprived? Do a lot of my thoughts stem from feeling out of control? That sort of thing. Because once you know, you know, sort of the, the seed, then you can figure out, okay, well, what will help me feel more in control? What will help me feel less deprived? How do I address the specific concerns that the, the food noise is expressing in a way that helps me quiet the noise instead of just sort of putting a, a Band-Aid over it? So if you take to heart what I've suggested in this episode about, you know, first planning and being prepared and then trying to get to the heart of where the rest of your food-related noise is coming from, not only is it going to help you turn down the noise, but what you're really doing is developing really useful skills that will help you anytime you feel like you're thinking about food more than you would like. Because if you do it once, then you can you know, refer back to this episode or recall what you did in the past and think, huh, yeah, you know what? I am thinking about food because what happened is we got busy, we went away, I just fell out of the habit of doing my life admin and I'm winging my meals again. I know things felt easier and food felt less noisy when I was doing those things. So I'm just going to get back to that. It's that sort of compassionate ownership of like, it's okay that the, you know, I'm thinking about food more right now. That's no big deal. And also, here's what I'm going to do for myself to bring back down to a volume that, that feels okay for me. Same thing with the more mental food noise of, man, yeah, I noticed I've like really been thinking, I've been really having like intense cravings recently and getting curious. Like, I wonder where that's coming from. Oh, you know what? Yeah, well, I'm stressed and I have been like really trying to tighten up my diet, but I might have gone a little bit too far and now I am feeling deprived. Now I'm not feeling like I'm making, you know, lifestyle changes so much as I'm feeling like I'm back on a diet. Good to know. Here's what I'm going to do about it. These skills, when practiced, will make all the difference in the world, not just with your food-related noise now, but anytime in the future. And that's why I'm so, that's why I always harp on building skills and learning how to use tools, because those are what serve you forever. The circumstances of your life are always going to be in flux. So we never want to feel like, okay, this is the exact equation that will always make me happy and healthy and confident and successful. But more so, I'm feeling really good now. And these are the things that I'm doing. And it's not so much the specifics of what I'm doing. It's the, the skills behind them. So that now I know when something comes up again in the future, I have the, the skills to handle it. All right. So just really briefly going to recap Food noise, the way I'm defining it, is just how much time you spend thinking about food. We're all on a spectrum. Some of us think about it more, think about it less. It depends on different you know, phases of our lives. And I think it's twofold. I think it's the sort of practical day-to-day, I'm thinking about food because we need it to survive and I need to figure out what I'm going to eat for my next meal. And then it's the more deeply rooted sort, sort of internal 
my relationship with food, my dieting history, diet culture, that sort of thing, and pulling apart, you know, what do, what is my noise actually saying to me and how do I address those needs in a way that actually addresses them rather than just allows the food noise to be really loud in my head all the time. Hopefully this was helpful for you. And I want you to know that if you think about food a lot, you are not alone and there is nothing wrong with you. Hopefully this, this episode will, will leave you feeling empowered to take action and pinpoint where yours is coming from so you can start taking the steps to turning down that volume. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be back next week with another episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Live Diet Free Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've listened to them all, I appreciate you being here. One way you can help this podcast succeed is to subscribe, rate, and review it. If you don't mind doing those things, I would love to thank you with a copy of our weekend survival guide designed to help you have weekends you enjoy that don't set you back from reaching your goals. Just send a screenshot of your review to admin at estheravant.com and we'll send it over. And don't forget to check out estheravant.com slash coaching for all the info about our Gone for Good coaching program designed to help you develop the confidence, commitment, and consistency necessary to make reaching your health and weight loss goals inevitable. Our three-part framework helps you learn and master the exercise and nutrition big rocks, provides comprehensive support and accountability, and teaches you how to take compassionate ownership of your results. With both group and one-on-one options, we have a Gone for Good package to suit your needs and help you overcome every obstacle between you and the weight loss you're after.